Welcome into episode two of season two. Alex Fuse, Vinny Pasquantino, back with you all for the second week of the podcast. How's everyone doing? Vinny, what's going on? Uh, I'm great. I will preface uh, this podcast with I introed our guest and I accidentally started it with welcome in to a whole new episode or whatever I said. So I didn't just go into the interview. So for all you listeners out there, I'd like to just formally apologize for that. Well, I was going to edit that out and make it seem like that you didn't say that, but that's fine. You just outed yourself. Oh, uh, well, you know, whatever. Can't win them all. Um, can't go back. You know, whatever. That's all right. Uh, I'm going to get my. I'm going to keep my head up and just you know keep working. I know you hate striking out, but it seems like you just struck out. Yeah, no, you could probably say that, but you know what's great is. Uh, who won? Who won the uh, balls and strikes in this episode? So you know you can just you can just eat that, Alex, because we we both know who's two and zero this year. So whatever, I don't want to brag, but it's me. Not to spoil anything for you guys, but it's me. I'm two and zero. Anthony did apologize after the interview because he didn't understand the full concept of the game. Because I think I think that I smoked you by so much. No, you know why he didn't understand the concept of the game? Because Vinny introduced it. Uh, but anyways, without further ado... Uh, Are you going to introduce him at all? Are you going to tell the guests? I was going to introduce him, but why don't, why don't you go introduce him now? Well, first of all, we have Anthony Veneziano, who is in the Kansas City Royals organization. And him and I have an interesting relationship because I tried to get him to come to Old Dominion when we were in high school. We'll touch on that a little bit in the podcast. But yeah, he... Uh, you know, he... he foregone, forewent, whatever you want to say, Old Dominion, and he chose to go to Coastal. Worked out for him, so I'm happy for him. Um, and now we're teammates with the uh, with the Royals now in the organization, so we're really excited to have him on. We're very appreciative of him for coming on. He's a left-handed starting pitcher who is really good, so we're going to learn a little bit about him. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Anthony Veneziano. Welcome in to a brand-new episode of A Whole New Ball Game. With your host, I'm Vinny Pasquantino. That's Alex Fuse. Today's special guest with left-handed pitching prospect in the Kansas City Royals organization and new, I guess new, but it came out this morning, the pitcher of the year in the high central minor league league, I guess would be the best way to describe it. I don't know how else to describe it, but welcome to the show, Anthony Veneziano. What's going on, guys? Vinny, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. Alex, what's going on, my man? Well, I'm just going to go ahead and get it started. And just so the news came out this morning. I don't know if you had known prior, but what did it feel like this morning when you either got a phone call or got a text, whatever it may be, or even just saw it on Twitter that you were named the pitcher of the year in the league? Yeah, no, so I came, we actually were out there lifting and doing some conditioning stuff. And I came back in and I saw like 15 notifications. I was like, what the heck? And uh, check, checked up and, you know, MILB tweeted out to me and, you know, it was pretty cool. Got a bunch of congratulations from everybody, you know, in the clubhouse and, you know, my family and friends. And it's a, it's a heck of an honor, man. It was a great season. You know, it was, you know, we had a great team down there in Quad Cities this year. So, you know, me winning that award kind of goes, goes to everybody, you know, the pitching coaches and even you guys, man, just the clubhouse in general. I th think it's, it's an incredible honor. And, dude, you can see we had, what, Porter one catcher for All-Star. You got All-Star too, Vinny. And Massey got it. Um, so it was cool. We had a bunch of guys. Widge got manager of the year. So it was, uh, it was a, it was a good season top to bottom. When did you surprise yourself most this year? 
Uh, I mean, probably about like halfway through the year, man, when I started getting some confidence and I was able to consistently go five innings at a time, uh, I had a rough start. I mean, actually, they, they tweeted out my numbers too. So I had a 6.3 ERA in May. And, uh, you know, I finished with a 3.7, I think. So, you know, it was a rough start in May. And I think for all of us, man, we had a year and a half off to not to think about that first month of playing a regular season. So once I kind of got that under my belt and let the season see, you know, the season started moving on and stuff. So, yeah, I'd probably say right around June to July, I was pretty surprised of how consistent I was. And, you know, it goes to show how, how much hard work we all put in. So I've known you since high school, and I'm going to touch on that. And But right now I want to touch on this season a little bit. So you talk about what happened in May. You, if you could, right, you'd probably go back and you'd want to change some of your numbers, especially with how you finished. Mm-hmm. But like you just said, a lot of that probably has to do with what happened last year and not playing in games. But was there anything in 2020 that you were able to get better at that, you know, you took into this year and you used to your advantage? Obviously, I know, and a lot of people started slow in May, myself included, a lot of people. So what do you think you were able to learn from in 2020 that you brought to the 2021 season? That's a good question. I mean, to be honest with you guys, I almost got worse during 2020. Like just not having the coaching around me to consistently get on my butt with the mechanical side of things. Like when I showed up to Arizona in that fall camp 2020, I was like 88, 91. And within one or two bullpens, I was back up like 94, 96, just like that. So I think it goes to show how important and how good our coaches are with the Royals. They've helped me from day one that we got drafted. I'm a 10 times better pitcher than that first outing I had up in Idaho Falls in 2019. All right, I want to ask, uh, uh, I know the answer to it, but a basic question. If I'm a fan of baseball and you think of velocity and you hear the numbers, 80 to 90, and then, boom, you shoot up to like 94, 95, where does velocity come from as a pitcher? It comes from, from me especially, I'm a six foot five, lanky, lefty pitcher. It comes from being able to get everything kind of synced up because I wasn't really good at repeating my mechanics in college. So I've had games where I was up to 94, 95, but I had games where I was 88, 91. And working each and every day, because now we're just playing baseball, and I love it, man. Just every day coming to the ballpark and only worrying about getting better for those hours at the ballpark and not having those other distractions, I think that's helped me with my consistency. And I really haven't gotten any stronger since I've gotten drafted, but I've gotten a lot more efficient with my movements, and I've used my entire body from – they even talk about, like, having a strong ankle, you know, when you you drive down the mound. From that all the way to letting go of the ball – all of that I've cleaned up and I've gotten immensely better at. So, you know, you had a good 2019. You don't play in 2020. And then you finish with a fantastic 2021 season. And you mentioned it, talking about college. You went to Coastal. So you went to a national program that everybody knows about. Um, I tried to get you to come to Old Dominion in high school. <laughs> you, were, you were one of my projects that I had in high school trying to get you to come to Old Dominion. You chose Coastal. What was that experience like going to Coastal and, you know, how does that still affect you if it does today? Dude, it was honestly surreal. Like, so, you know, we were texting back and forth in high school in what, probably 2015. Mm -hmm. And I ended up committing to Coastal 2015, 2016, they go ahead and win the national championship. So I'm an incoming freshman. I get on campus about four days after they win the national championship as the new freshman. And it was unreal, just like the amount of support and fans that we've had and they weren't for us though that was the thing so like our coach made it very clear that we didn't win a national championship the freshmen and the juca guys we didn't win it it was all them you know it was all them so uh that experience and just being thrown right into the fire 
you know, we were defending national champs. My freshman year, I was facing Clemson. I got to face Wake Forest twice. I got to face North Carolina. So just off the bat, coming from a small town in Northwest Jersey to throwing at Clemson, you know, in a midweek and they're gunning for us, man. So that experience and those pressure situations when I was 19 years old, you know, they translate to today and it doesn't even feel like anything today. I mean, now that we, we probably play bigger games, but it just feels like another day. And you did win a championship this year um, with Quad Cities. How much did you rely on just knowing the moment and how to perform in a moment from your college experience to your, your pro ball experience now? Um, I just think that, I mean, it's, we actually talked about it today in, in Crown Club. We were just talking about how, you know, if you're in that moment more than once, then your heart rate doesn't jump through the roof. You don't get nervous. You don't get as anxious. You just rely back on your mechanics. You rely on all the work we put in. So I think all of us, I mean, you guys played for a championship in Burlington in 2019. So we have been around, you know, big games. So nothing, nothing scared us. We, we attacked that moment. So this is an interesting question, I guess, coming from me, just because I'd like to know the answer too, is so when I left the Quad Cities team, it was almost a certainty that team was making the playoffs. I mean, we were up probably seven, eight games halfway through the year. It didn't look like there was any slowing down coming. Towards the end of the year, right, you guys kind of tailed off a little bit. You weren't playing in big games all the time because the postseason was already clinched. How did – and a lot of people will argue that it's not about who's the best team going into the playoffs. It's who's the hotter team. And you guys were not the hotter team going into the playoffs. So how are you guys able to rally? And, you know, and then you go down two games to one. How are you guys able to rally and come back and finish the thing off? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to give a big shout-out to Widge, man. I think Widge did an unbelievable job with us because there's those games, right? End of August, early September, they're already kind of games that drag on. We're up freaking 12 games, you know, so they, they, didn't mean, they didn't mean anything. But he kept telling us to take things from games and still play hard and still learn and make sure we're ready for that game in the playoffs. So when we're down 2-1, well, actually, we lost game one, and we're in the locker room, you know, everyone's a little bummed out. He goes, dude, that's a normal Tuesday game. We always suck on Tuesday. So what? You know, let's just forget about it. Boom. We win game two and then we ended up losing game three and no one had a panic. We just knew if we stayed with what we had from spring training, we were going to win. We were clearly the best team on the field. What one guy on that Quad Cities team did you just enjoy being around the most? I mean, I think everyone in the clubhouse is awesome, man. I mean, Vinny, when you were there, you know, you know how good the clubhouse was. You know, when you left and when Jimmy left, it was we had to kind of fill some of that gaps with some of the, the culture in the locker room and stuff but i think everyone stepped up man i mean rave was awesome in the locker room massey's you know hilarious in his own, in his own way uh from a pitching side you know you know dante dante biazzi he's a he's a funny guy man he's always messing around with with luber and hey we never finished that uh vinnie pasquantino inaugural covid basketball tournament we had set up in there you know about that vinnie yeah i heard about that yeah. <laughs> we never finished it he got, he got canceled due to the delta variant they said so we only played like one game each. And then because half the guys left, we had like, you know, holding caps was in the, you know, in there. He, he had to leave, you know, someone else, Depoto went down, Murdoch was there. So like no one got to finish that tournament. But um, from that core group of guys, you know, Mitch Ellis, me, Morell, Klein and, and Dante were our, our, the pitching staff that kind of stayed there all year. So we kind of anchored the new guys that came in and kind of made sure that, you know, they, they felt welcomed and they knew the culture that we had going on. So I've talked about it before on different, you know, different ways, a little bit on this podcast too, is can you speak to how special that clubhouse was in the Quad Cities, 
in in the greater Quad Cities region, just how special that clubhouse was. I mean, I've never been a part of anything like that. It felt like college in a different, you know, in a different way. But can you can you speak to that? Yeah, I mean, I'm a big believer in like what happens in the locker room equates to what goes on in the field. And I think every single one of us, I mean, we all liked each other. We all got along. We all kind of had a little inside, you know, jokes and, and quips and stuff. And I think the coaching staff would come in and always do some funny stuff. You know, we always rag on Luber a little bit. So everyone had like just a great connection with each other. And when we went out there, I knew you were going to be at first base and I was excited for, for you to play behind me. You know, I knew Massey was going to be at second, having Lofton out there and Raver out there running on balls in the outfield. I think we all just got along so well in that clubhouse. So when it came to the game, we all believed in each other. We all trusted each other. We never, no moment got too big for us. How important is a good first baseman behind you? <laughs> uh, it's very important. Very important. Yeah, I know the bump plays. Make sure Vinny knows those bump plays. No, I mean, I think it's important to have, you know, it's a, you're the first baseman. Actually, I just watched the, uh, me and my roommate just watched the 86 Mets documentary. You guys get around to that one? Uh, yeah, I know all about that one. Yeah, but it was cool to see, like, you know, Keith Hernandez was was the first, you know, the first baseman, and he, like, the pitching coach would go out there and say something, and then he walked away. He'd walk up there and say something else. You know, you better not throw a fastball here. You have to throw You have to throw all speed. And just to have that as a first baseman, I think that's pretty cool. So you mentioned Dante Biazzi. We'll look at this podcast, for example, Vinny Pasquantino, Anthony Veneziano, Dante Biazzi is another name. We just drafted a whole bunch of new Italians. What does it feel like being in the probably the most Italian organization right now? What can you speak to that just a little bit? Because I know how I feel about that. But what are what are your thoughts on that? Dude, I love it, man. You know, the Italian community doesn't have as many baseball players as you think. You know, it's not a big baseball thing. So uh, it was. I think it's pretty cool, man, that we have these guys. Um, I haven't talked to him yet, though, dude. I haven't seen. I've seen Masakato around, but I haven't talked to him yet. Um, but no, I think it's awesome, dude. Remember when we were uh, dancing around in the locker room? Watching Italy play in a – what was that? The, I forget what that was. The, uh, the Euro Cup, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fun. yeah. Italy took it to them that day. What a, what, a good, what a good tournament that was. Just a feel-good tournament. <laughs> That's right. Um, when you look back – okay. You, I forgot about, Anthony. Alex is going to ask you a question. I'm going to go grab it real quick, and then when I get back, I'm going to ask you about it. Uh, so when you look back at this season, what was your favorite game you played in? Um, honestly, the, there's two games where I thought I didn't, I had nothing to do with too, which is, I think even cooler. So there's one game where we scored 12 runs in the first inning and it was something I've never seen before, man. Like we didn't not hit one ball square every, they, they might've had one walk. So we just pieced up this guy for, we probably had 10 hits in the first inning and I've never seen a team just go off like that. And then on the flip side of that, there was a game we were playing in Beloit. I think Vinny was still there. And we were down 6 nothing. We're getting perfect, perfect games. games. Perfect games, one out in the ninth. And we come back to win that game 10-7. I remember, I remember that game. That was Wasn't a that like, game. Yeah. We're down, I want to say we're down 2-3 to three to nothing. John mm-hmm. Rave comes up, top nine. We're being, Dude, I think we're down – no, we were down 6 nothing because we gave, up like three, we gave up like three in the, top of the, uh, the bottom of the eighth, I think. So it was something like that. We're down – by way too many runs, we're getting perfect games. John Rave leads us off with a single, and we all kind of look at each other like it's a Sunday game too. So we all kind of look at each other like, well, at least we didn't get perfect games on a Sunday. Now we can go home. And then next thing you know, we're winning. It was the most yeah. unbelievable game I've ever been Unreal. 
Unreal. All right. So for anybody who followed Anthony this year, you would know that he touched 99 at least once. I don't know how many times he touched it, but I know that he touched it at least once. So he's a lefty starting pitcher who can carry velocity deep into games. This is from 3-9-2020, Anthony. I have written in my notes, we faced each other in live at-bats in spring training. Okay. Anthony Veneziano, lefty, 89-91, two-seam change slider, kind of sidearm, not uncomfortable. If I was to give a scouting report on you now, it would probably look something like 94-97, fastball gets on you, change-up slider, uncomfortable as any at-bat could be. So what has been the difference from – and obviously that's in spring training, right, when we face mm-hmm. – Well, actually, I threw you a change-up. If I remember correctly, I threw you a change-up. You did throw me a change-up, and I grounded out a second. Um, so what has been the biggest difference for you – that's about a year and a half ago. What has been the biggest difference in your pitching that you could, you know, elaborate on? Honestly, just using my legs, man, because I used to just come at you with all – all arms and all legs flying in all different directions. And I wasn't very efficient with my movements, but I really worked in that fall camp 2020 really helped me with directionally getting down the mound and staying back as long as I can and using that athleticism and whip that I have to generate more velocity. Mm-hmm. And it's not even a two seamer. It's a four seamer. I think this yeah. runs regardless, mm-hmm. but yeah, just all that stuff with just staying synced up and it helps me with my slider too. I mean, when I'm synced up and on time, my slider has been good all year. I can throw my changeup consistently now. So just all that stuff kind of ties into just all the work I've put in since, you know, since I probably went to Coastal's when I first started realizing I was pretty good at pitching. Mm-hmm. And from then to today, it's I'm a whole different person. Where do you think your confidence comes from? Um, that's a good question because I've struggled with confidence. You know, I mean, I think everyone does. You know, you like in the season in May, you know, it was hard to believe in what was going on. You know, first time in high A facing hitters that were obviously qualified, really good hitters. And they weren't even hitting me that hard. I was just putting myself in mistakes. And I was like, man, this sucks, you know, not being able to figure it out. But I think just st- sticking with it, talking to Luber, our pitching coach, and our sports psychologist, Melissa, we sat down when we were in Peoria. I think it was like the third week of the season. And I kind of just kind of told her what's been going on. Because I've had a lot of stuff off the field that's that's affected me. And, you know, I have a big, big Italian family. Vinny knows what's up. So, like, just – all that kind of stuff was boiling over. And once I got to just focus in on what I'm doing and when I'm on that mound, it's just me against it's one-on-one mano a mano. And you kind of got to say F you, you know, to the hitter. And when I got that and realized that that's, what's going to make me successful, then you got to have confidence. Cause that shows if you have confidence in that, that hitter, he, he gets a little uncomfortable in the box, but if you're out there unconfident, I think they feed off of that. So I'm not going to dig too deep into your mindset as a pitcher, because I know you're not going to, one, want to give it up, and two, you shouldn't give it up because there's some secrets that you'd want to keep. But at just this is just an and or for you. Would you prefer to pitch to your strengths or to a hitter's weaknesses? Which do you prefer? Because I know that that's always a conversation that you guys mm-hmm. are going to have is if a guy matches up with you well, do you pitch to his weakness or do you keep doing what you're doing? I keep pitching to my strength. Because if I'm going to pitch your weakness, that could be my weakness too, and then I might miss, miss in location or you might exploit that. Mm-hmm. But if my strength is a certain thing, and so what? It's your strength. I'm going to beat your strength. Yeah. That, that's how I think of it as. You know, that my, my thing this year was the fastball because my fastball yeah. velocity jumped up and my strength was throwing a fastball through the zone. And, mm-hmm. oh, this guy's a fastball hitter. Well, here you go. Yeah. Hit it. What do you say you have a love for the game of baseball? Oh, absolutely, man. 
I, I absolutely love baseball. And I, that's another thing we talked about in this camp I'm in is, do you love it or do you just like it? Because if you like it, you won't be in baseball too long. But if you love baseball, even if you don't make it to MLB, you can stay in baseball longer. And, you know, like when I go home, I love coaching kids. You know, I have – that's why I'm kind of – you know, it sucks that I'm out here right now because I had probably 15 pitching lessons set up for end of September, middle of October, so I had to push that back. But just sharing the knowledge that I've learned these last two years with the Royals, you know, helps me to apply it to some of these kids. And it's cool for me to see, like, oh, this kid's doing this. Well, hey, I just learned that two weeks ago. He's not staying in his back leg. They just told me that two weeks ago. So it's cool. Like the stuff that I'm learning, I can help apply to coach kids and make them better. Yeah. So as you move forward with the camp that you're in and when you go home, what are your biggest goals um, and what's your mindset going into 2022? Um, just to continue to, I want to get stronger. You know, I'm glad I'm out here working out on, you know, I'm, I'm a skinny guy. I'm about 208 pounds right now. So I want to put on another 10. Probably I want to get to like 218, 220. So I think, you know, the nutrition side of it's big. I'm excited to go home and eat some family cooking, uh, not door dashing food out here. So that'll be nice. Um, but, you know, just stick with it, man. Stay with, stay with the plan. The Royals have a plan for all of us. So I think just following their instruction and their guide and, um, you know, get back home, probably just lift for a, a month or so and then get back to throwing. Uh, hopefully, you know, I don't, I don't know what the, what the case is with the Royals, but I'd love to go to big league spring training. You know, I just want to be around those guys, man. I want to, I had a dream. I faced Ben and Tendi. So I just had a lot of hitters, you know? So I just want to do stuff. You know, I want to be around those guys and that's a goal of mine. So I'm going to make, make it known here that I'd, I'd like to go there. You know, even if I don't throw in those games, I just want to be around the guys and in the locker room and, you know, hang out and meet Matheny and meet Cal Eldridge and, and be around those kind of guys. Well, so you mentioned DoorDash. What are you DoorDashing? What, what's your go-to, go-to spots? Oh uh, man, I don't know if I want to say this. You know, McDonald's. <laughs> I like McDonald's. Uh, Panda Express is solid. Um, they have you know, it's a couple of good pizza places. Oregano's is pretty good out here, so I, I try to mix it up. It's what about Chipotle? Not on DoorDash. Yeah, oh, it's Chipotle, obviously. Yeah, okay. I wish even out was on DoorDash. Um, yeah, dude. Uh, even though it is close enough to walk, but you know, it's like a half a mile. It, you don't really want to make that. Nah, one. yeah. Uh, but Anthony, let's move into the next phase of this interview. It's Alex's favorite segment. It's called Balls and Strikes. Essentially, the bare bones of it are. We're going to ask questions alternating, essentially. You're the umpire, kind of. You're going to determine whether it's a good question or a bad question. Good question, strike. You answer said question. Bad question, ball, you don't have to answer it. You still can if you want. Whoever gets the three strikes first wins or to four balls loses. So, Alex, you go ahead. Start us off. Balls and strikes. What is your favorite app on your phone? Uh, Ball. (laughs) <laughs> all right in an ideal world and it's easier now because of mondays being off what's your go-to game plan on an off day uh strike just just hang out and go get food with the guys and and do laundry and play video games all day do laundry who would have thought he would have said that yeah. all right so let's say i don't know let's say 10 years from now you've had a eight-year seven-year big league career you've got some money flowing Where's your first week of the off-season vacation going to be? What would be your spot? Hmm. I'll go strike again on that. And I want to go to Hawaii. Never been there. So I want to go play golf and look at a volcano and drink one of those, like, fruity little drinks and hang out by the beach. (laughs) All right. You're growing up in New Jersey. 
a young Anthony Veneziano. He's growing up. He's watching TV. He's paying attention to celebrities all around the globe. Who was your celebrity crush growing up? I thought Alex supposed to ask questions too. No, he gave him a ball. And I'm just knocking it out of the park over here. Because oh, like my bad, Alex. I should have given you a strike on that then. I thought we were going to go back and forth. But I'll go strike again with that one. Um, so it's Selena Gomez. My sister had like one of those like 17 magazines. In like fifth grade, I cut the picture of Selena Gomez out ahead of my room. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And that's a win for me, Alex. How I'm, do you sorry. I, I'm sorry, Alex. I messed you up, man. <laughs> what the heck, Anthony? You, you Dude, let Vinny win. Ask the what show questions question for him before we get out of here. We've got two questions that we always ask on the show. Alex, go ahead and ask him. All right. The main one is you have a cup of choice to drink out of. Which cup are you choosing? You could do glass, styrofoam, plastic. Which cup are you choosing? Uh, probably a nice like wine glass. So glass. Okay. Glass. You know, something nice, glass. you know? Yeah, right? Something I yeah. can go like this with, you know? Perfect. And then also, last question, where are you at on social media? Blow yourself up a little bit. Give us, give us a 30-second elevator pitch on where you are and what you bring to the timeline. Um, so I'm working. I got some good TikToks out there. Uh, I, I like to do when I'm home cause they're, you know, they go a little cringy, but I like to do Will Ferrell voiceovers here or there. You know, I got a couple of Will Ferrell ones. I got a Ben Stiller Doswell one out there. Um, Instagram wise, I'm not, I'm not too crazy. I mean, I like Instagram, but I'm not a big poster where you need to follow me or else kind of thing. And Twitter, I just, you know, I like to retweet stuff about the Royals and about sports and good, good movie quotes and stuff like that. Perfect. Wait, so do you like do impressions of people? Yeah, you can go check it out. It's, uh, I think I'm just Ant Veneziano out there. I got, like, I had the Fu Manchu mustache, and I did the scene in Dodgeball where he goes, Joni loves Chachi, and then he, like, throws the ball and hits the guy. Um, sorry, my roommate's laughing at me right now. I think it's funny. <laughs> I'm rooting with Matt still. We got to keep the Jersey guys together. Columbia Fireflies legend. Yes, Columbia Fireflies legend. Also, yeah, so. also, <laughs> also a New Jersey native, I believe, correct? Yep, yep. A mustache man. He likes to yes. grow out a mustache. That's Matt Still, ladies and gentlemen, who's not on camera. <laughs> He's there. He's been listening. He's been learning from Ant. Yep. <laughs> so, Alex, take us home. Take us through the outro. Well, again, and you put yourself over. Thanks again for coming on today. We greatly appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, man. I appreciate you guys having me. What an interview. Any, what, what are your thoughts? Oh, it was fantastic. And I thought the ending was even better when uh, we determined who won balls and strikes. It should have been me. If he understand the full concept of the game, I would have won. Well, you know, umpires call balls and strikes. Whatever track man says doesn't matter because they are the ones that call. Anyways, I should have won. Um, biggest takeaway, I think, um, is how he got his confidence. He, he said he didn't have it, and then he found it, and he became the pitcher he was, ended up winning pitcher of the year. Um, and it's just an incredible story. Um, I think just it, it just shows how difficult not only baseball but being a pitcher is, especially in, in professional baseball. 100%. You have a bunch of professionals out there trying to essentially, you know, you're trying to step on everybody else's neck so you can get to the top. You know what I mean? I'm not talking about in your own organization, but I'm talking about when you step up to the plate, you don't care about that pitcher, right? And when he's pitching, he doesn't care about the hitter. It's all about, you know, doing the job. And for him, once he was able to find that confidence, he became a whole new pitcher. And that's super exciting that he was able to do that. It's exciting for me being a teammate of his. 
probably not as exciting when you're facing him, but you know, it's a cool thing. And when you're in the field, you can feel when a pitcher has that confidence, which when you know that they have that confidence working, it's, there's a few things better than that because it just becomes a seamless game. So yeah, that was a really good interview next week will be my last, my last podcast before taking a short hiatus from the pod. So I don't know if you want to touch on that a little bit, Alex, but you can, if you'd like. Yeah, next week is uh, going to be the best podcast ever for me. The last one for a few weeks without Vinny. Um, so we will be having a celebration uh, next week as Vinny will be going away. Yeah, that's perfect. Well, I'm good for this for this podcast, Alex. If you're good, why don't you go ahead and take us home a little bit, huh? Well, you can all follow us on social media throughout the next week or so with an announcement of who will be on next week. So stay tuned for that. Some exciting news coming your way for next week's episode. But for Vinny, I'm Alex Hughes. Have a great rest of your Friday and a great